Hallelujah. Come on. Let's love him a minute. Hallelujah. God, we bless you today. Thank you for your presence. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God, we bless you. We praise you today. We honor you today, God. Holy Spirit, you're welcome today. You're more than welcome. You're wanted in this place today. You're desired in this place today. Fill this temple with your presence. Not this building, but this temple, these temples, these earthen vessels. God, fill it with your presence today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, let's worship him a minute. Come on, open up your mouth and worship him a moment. Hallelujah. God, we bless you. pray for you at the end of the service, but I won't pray for you now. Come, yes. Amen. Praise God. Let me know the enemy will come to bring a spirit of fear. Amen. So, sister, I know, but that's what the enemy comes for. Amen. Sister Sarah's got a negative report this week. We don't deny the reports. We'll just deny the fact that it has the right to stay there. Amen. So today, in the authority of that name of Jesus, we take authority over this infirmity. And the report that has come to her God, I don't care if it's stage one, two, three, four. I speak to these kidneys today and I command them to line up with the word of God. Every abnormalcy, you must go in Jesus' name. You must now begin to function properly and normally. For they were created and designed to last forever. And so today we take authority over every abnormalcy every hindrance, every blockage, and I speak life into you now in the name of Jesus. And I command you in the name of Jesus to begin to work and function properly. And God, we're believing you for a good report to return. Yes, Lord. We believe 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There will be no spirit of fear here. It will not torment Sister Sarah. It will not come. But God, today, life comes to her. Hallelujah. The Zoe, life of God, lives on the inside of her. Father, I thank you for good reports returning because we as a family agree together now in Jesus' name. And it is done. It is done. It is done. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. God's good, isn't he? I said God is good. His mercy endures forever. Praise God. Praise God. Well, thank you, worship team. Can we give our worship team a good God bless you today? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we've been on this little journey. I don't know that I've told you we've been on a journey, but we've been on a little journey in my mind anyways. And uh, since the beginning of the year. And um, just understanding who we are in Christ how we are to be in Christ, right? In the beginning of the year, we started out talking about what Jesus said, how that you will know that you are a follower of Christ. In Matthew, he talks there and he said that, that when you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll do three things. You remember what they were? Pray, fast, and give. Amen? Praying, fasting, and giving is the lifestyle of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So we're praying, we're fasting, and we're giving. And it's not... It is finances, but it's not just finances. It's time, talent, and treasure. Amen? Whenever you give of your time, your talents, what God has gifted you, you may even use the skill set in, in life to make a living, a live livelihood. But God gave it to you so that you could use it in the kingdom. Right? So it's time, talent, and treasures that he uh, says that we are to give unto him. And uh, so then we uh, continue on and, and throughout this process of time, we've been talking about different things of the life of the believer. Uh, last week we talked about uh, what your, the foundational principles of the kingdom, right? What are they? Well, let me go back to my notes and I'll preach that again. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I am the righteousness of God. Let's say that together. I am the righteousness of God. Let's say it again. I am the righteousness of God. I am not the righteousness of God because I have done a thing, I am the righteousness of God because he has made me righteous. 
Amen. And so because he has made me righteous, I don't have to wonder if I'm righteous or not. If I've done it the right thing or did this or did that that made me righteous. But he has made me righteous, so now I am the righteousness of God. Once he has cleaned me up and I am now the righteousness of God, then uh, peace comes. This, this uh, overwhelming peace that it doesn't come from what we are, have around us. It comes because of who is in us. Amen. The radiant peace of God came to live on the inside of me. And so now that his, I am made righteous through Christ, the, his radiant peace has come to live on the inside of me. So everywhere I go, there should be a radiance of his peace, his goodness, his love. Amen. Shining out of my life so that others will see my good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Right? And so then he tells us that righteousness, he's made us righteous. Christ comes to live in us. The peace comes to live in us. And then he gives us this joy that comes that is in the Holy Ghost. Amen. He, he said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives you, but my peace I leave with you. Right? This joy that he speaks of is not a joy that is contingent upon circumstances. This joy can be found only in the Holy Spirit. So in the Holy Spirit, when we receive this joy in the Holy Spirit, now we have the understanding and the ability that no matter the circumstances around us, that in the environment that we're in, the situation that we're in, it is not determined upon that. It is determined by what's on the inside of us. And what's on the inside of us is the righteousness and the peace of God, which gives us the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And so this is where the New Testament church was founded. It was founded upon these principles of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so I want to go into the book of Acts today in this uh, understanding of passionate pursuit. And you can put part three on there. And righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And then in the book of Acts... We find this newfound church. And I want to look at it here for a little bit today. The church had been founded out of the upper room encounter with the Holy Spirit. And there had never been unity like there was unity in this New Testament church. Acts 2 tells us they were all in one accord. There was unity, right? Come on, right? And so there was unity in this early church, and the unity was a one of cord. I believe that it was the that answer to Jesus' prayer in Mark when he said, Father, make them one as we are one. That there was a unity and a oneness in the church, this new founded church, this new church that had been birthed. They were called the church first at Antioch, but we know the birth took place in the upper room. And they, they came out of there and they were as one. And the church began to grow and began to increase, not weekly, but daily. Right? Now, in order for the church to increase daily, they had to have more than Sunday and Wednesday services. 
it wasn't about coming into a building. It was about the, us leaving the building. It was about disciplines that changed the world wherever they were. They took what they had been taught, what they had learned, and they went into the marketplaces. They went to different places. They, uh, all throughout, you'll see here that uh, in that, well, let me, let's just go there. In Acts chapter 4, and uh, in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 33, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Nor were any among them who lacked for all who were uh, possessors of land or houses sold them and bought the, brought the proceeds of those things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each and anyone who had need and who was also named or Barnabas by the by the apostles which is translated son of the encouragement a Levite of the country of Cyrus Cyrus having laid land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet now prior to this we hear we see that that the disciples were spread abroad. The Bible says that all of the people that, that were Christians were spread out because of the persecution that came, and only the apostles had stayed in the city, right? You remember reading that? I believe chapter 3. Now, it's interesting to me how, the, how that God can cause the enemy to get his purpose fulfilled. Because if you go back into the Old Testament and you remember in, in uh, Genesis, he tells them to go and to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and to cover the earth. But they had found them a place, the Bible said, that was pleasing to them, right? And they stayed in that land and then they built them a tower of Babel. Now, God told them to go and replenish the earth, cover the earth, but they found them a place that they liked, so they stayed there. Right? Now, in this New Testament church, the oppression comes, the, the, the enemy comes, and it scatters out the church. They scatter. They go every direction, if you will. And, 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 and it wasn't, it, it looked like a negative, but it was really a good thing. Because God was using that as they were discipled. Now they would go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. They'd go to the different parts of the, uh, the earth, the known world. And they was believers. So now they were carrying righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So wherever they went, they was transformers. They were transforming where they went so that it could look like and they could experience the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so here we look and we read in, in Acts chapter 4, where I just read it to you. The Bible says that Barnabas had a field. I don't know how valuable this field was, but it must have been a precious field because it, it, it left an impression on the rest of the church. Barnabas sold a field and gave the money to the church for the needy. The Bible said they had all things in common. Now, this is not what 
not what socialism and, and communism is, is all about. It's not about, you know, what they're trying, this liberal bunch is trying to impose upon us. If, if you make so much money, then you need to give it to somebody that don't. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about you not getting things taken from you, but you release things. Does anybody remember when people used to help one another? If you was a farmer and I was an electrician, when you needed electrical work done, I'd come and help you. And whenever I needed some bacon, amen, I wouldn't go hungry. We'd help one another. We'd bless one another. We'd take care of one another, right? If you needed a roof put on, we'd, we'd get together and we'd put the roof on. You, anybody remember how it used to be? Amen. But today, and, and I'm not lamb blasting anybody because I'm as bad at it. I know a couple of my neighbors, but we don't even know if anybody needs a roof because we don't even know the neighbor's name. Right? We moved off of the front porch and went to the back porch so nobody can see us. It's true. Amen. Houses today are not built with a front porch. They're built with a back porch. So nobody can see you sitting out there drinking cappuccino. Amen. And that's the way we like it. Right? But that's not the way it was in this New Testament church. In the New Testament church, they had all things in common. In other words, that if there was a need, it was met. We worked together and one another. We helped one another. And so we look and we see that Barnabas, he has this, evidently he has this piece of property. I don't know, he must not be using it. It doesn't say it had a house on it. He said he had this land. He, he had this property and he, he takes this property and he sells it. And then he brings it into, if you will, if I could, uh, you could just give me some leeway. He brings it into the church and he gives it to the church and says, this is for somebody that's in need. Right? And this is how they worked. They blessed one another. And it's had such an impact upon uh, on the rest of the church that if we drop down to chapter 5, we see that other people start doing the same thing. How many know generosity is contagious? Generosity is contagious. Whenever there is generosity, I don't know how many of you remember Pastor Ken Wright that was here and he preached for us. He's up in Cleveland. But uh, they, it went uh, international, I guess. The news media, they ordered some pizzas one day for a pizza party. The boy came in with them and, and just out of, uh, out of generosity, uh, Pastor Ken gives him some money. And whenever he gives him money, here comes the whole congregation giving him money. And the young man gets thousands of dollars that day for delivering a little pizza. Right? 
But what happened is, is, is the, the congregation seeing Pastor Ken, Ken's uh, generosity and he, he didn't say y'all come and give him something. It was just a, out of the heart because they wanted to give too. And so they blessed the young man. The end of that story is, is the young man had a, had a terrible life. He had a life of addiction and bondage and he had all kinds of mess in his life. And he never felt the kind of love that he felt in that church that day. And he gave his heart and life to Christ. Amen. And his life radically changed from that day forward. What I'm saying to you is today that we have, we have to be people of generosity. We have to be, and it isn't just something, you know, I'm not talking about a, a thousand dollar prayer line. Amen. I'm not talking about a $500 prayer line or a hundred dollar prophecy. Amen. I'm talking about spontaneously out of your spirit. You say, I want to be a blessing. The Holy Spirit touches us and we say, we just feel like we need to be a blessing to this individual or that individual. And, and do in response to the word of the Lord to our hearts, God is going to bless us. This, I believe, is what Barnabas began in the New Testament church. Now in chapter 5, let's read there. In chapter 5, I'm just teaching today. Is that okay? Okay, we got that chapter 5, starting in verse number 1. It says, But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold the possessions, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has uh, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? He said, while it remained, it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart that you, not, that you have not uh, lied to men but to God? Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and the breath his, breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these, the th these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And now three hours later, I was reading this. I said, my God, this is some kind of church service. Three hours later, Miss Sapphire comes in, right? His wife. And not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, tell me uh, what you have sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together? to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they are carrying you out too. Then immediately she fell down at their feet and breath breathed her last and the young men came and found her dead and carried her out and buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all I'm sorry, I just find this funny. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. You say, well, what do you find it funny? I find it funny that the writer had to tell us that great fear came upon all of them. <laughs> I think I've, I may have mentioned this to you before, but this scripture goes against 
all of my theology. It goes against everything, the very core, the very fiber of my theology. And there is only one conclusion that I've come to it. If I haven't told you, I'll tell you today. But Ananias and Sapphira came and did the same thing that Barnabas did. But they had different motives. Sapphire means pleasant, means jewel. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to look good in front of the people, but didn't want to pay the price. Amen? It's called hypocrisy. Amen? It's called hypocrisy. They wanted the same results that Barnabas got. There was probably some people that said, my Lord, Brother Barnabas, you, you've set precedence here today. You, you're a man of God. You, you, are, you, are, you, you, you just set the way for us. And, and he probably got some praise from people when he brought that money. And Ananias and Sapphira said, we want that. Right? We want that. We want that kind of praise. We want people to look up to us like that. We want people to we want people to praise us and we want people to look up to us and and they did something that had the appearance of being a blessing but the heart of the thing the holy spirit knew it. Amen. How many know you can do the right thing with the wrong motive and not get blessed? You can do the right thing with the wrong heart and not get blessed. I would rather do the wrong thing with the right heart because God's blessed me for doing the wrong thing and having the right heart. I'm telling you right now, he's done that. I've done the wrong thing, but I did it out of a heart that was pure before God and the right motives and the right attitude, and yet it was the wrong thing, and somehow God's still blessed for having the right heart. But you can do the right thing all day long, but if you've got the wrong heart, if you've got the wrong attitude, you're doing it for the wrong reason, then it's not going to bring the blessing to you. God's not going to bless it. Amen. Ananias and Sapphira, they were wanting to look good in front of the people, but they didn't want to pay the price that it took. And so they wanted to take a shortcut. We have to be careful that we don't get caught up in the appearing to be something that we're not. Amen. Appearing that we're holier than thou. Appearing that, that we have done so great things and, and look what we have done, right? Looking good, but not living good. Come on, somebody. And so we have to be careful about this because we can do things in front of people that make us to look good, but yet we are not living good when nobody is looking. Can I tell you that, that everybody knows us on different levels? Right? The world knows me on a certain level. The world, I say, the sphere of people around me. 
know me on a level not inside of the church, right? The church world knows me on another level, a little more intimate, a little bit more knowledge, understanding. I'm transparent before you. But you don't know me like my family knows me, right? But then nobody knows me like my wife knows me. Are you walking with me? But I want to tell you there isn't nobody but nobody that knows me like I know me. Amen. Because I'm not who I am when I, I have an appearance before my sphere or my known world. I'm not who I am when I'm standing here as pastor. I'm not who I am who I, when I'm standing here as a father or, or even as a husband. I am who I am when the lights are out. Nobody's around and nobody is there to, to judge me. Nobody is there to say a thing. Who am I when there's nobody around? What are my thoughts? What am I looking at? What is my desires? Huh? Oh, I know. I know. We don't preach on this anymore. We want cotton candy. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, too much cotton candy will rot your teeth out. Come on, baby. Amen. We, we've got to have a real understanding because I'm not worried and I'm not so concerned. Yes, I want to have fun in the house of God. Yes, I want to enjoy this journey. But I'm more concerned about Christ living in me than I am the conception or the perception of what people think that I am. We've got to be living good and not just looking good. Amen. Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira uh, has the appearance, the, her name has the appearance of pleasant, meaning that she's pleasant to be around. Don't you like to be around pleasant people? All right, all three of you, the rest of you cray cray. Amen. I love to be around pleasant people, people that are enjoyable. People that, and that's what uh, Sapphira's name is in the long meaning of her name. She is pleasant. She is a jewel. She is, she is something that is pleasant to be around. So there was, in other words, if I could look at it like this, people were drawn to her. She was that kind of person that people enjoyed to spend time with, right? But yet we look and we see that her, the pleasantry, that, that it was nice, but it was not right. And what I want to say today is this, is if we're not careful, we can get satisfied with the pleasant situations of our life, whether we go through the mundane, we go through the rituals, we go through the actions, but we have this, this inside of us, but we do not have or the form, but we do not have anything inside of us. This blew me away. I'm not here preaching against Facebook today, but this blew me away. I, Facebook selfies. You know how many people put selfies on Facebook every day? Every day. This is a statistic. 400,000 a day. 400,000 selfies a day are on Facebook. Why? Looking for acceptance, affirmation, 
compliments. Amen? I seen one the other day, and I, I don't, didn't even, don't even, can't even tell you really who it was, but they said, me without makeup. <laughs> so I said, okay, so I looked down there, and it said, Oh, honey, you look better without makeup than I do putting hours into putting makeup on. I just said, baloney. <laughs> People looking for affirmation, right? Now, I'm not saying everybody puts a selfie on there is looking for that. But whenever you see folk that put a face selfie on there every day of themselves, Something going on more than Facebook, social media. They're deep inside. They're looking for affirmation. They're looking for someone to compliment them. They're looking to be accepted. And I don't know, I'm probably pretty certain there wasn't Facebook selfies back in the book of Acts. But, but Sapphire was putting it out there. This is what we are. How many know that Facebook is not the real world? I heard even a preacher the other day, and I won't say who it was, but he said, he told me, he said, I wish that church was as good as it looked on Facebook. <laughs> we put all of this stuff out there for the appearance that we're so happy, that we're so joyful, that we're so this, that, and the other, that we're so blessed and, and all of these things. But is that the real life? Is that who you really are? Is that the real you? Are, are you so happy? Are you so joyful? Are you just giving the appearance that you're happy, you're joyful? Now I use Facebook for, for an example because it's a real good example. But let, let, let's look into our real lives. Are we projecting things that we're really not? The Bible says... That there would come a time, and perhaps I would submit that we're in it, when we have a form of godliness, right? What's a form? A form is, is that which keeps something contained, right? It is, it is a form. It's the outer a shell of a thing. It forms. You form something into a certain mold or you project a certain uh, mold or style or whatever you want to call it. And so he has, says we've projected this form, but there isn't no power. There isn't no substance. You can form up something all day long, but if there's nothing on the inside of the form, it's not going to do any good. And you see, I believe that many are happy with appearing to live right, but not live right. We're happy with having the form of looking like we're godly, looking like we have victory, looking like we're people of prayer, people of fasting, people of giving, people of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We have the form of it, but is there anything on the inside of the form? We can't live like the world and expect the blessing and the favor of God upon our life. Amen? Now I know some people say, well, that, 
you're just dabbling in things that's none of your business. Well, I'm trying to help us today. And we can't live with this form and then, then uh, allow us to, to, we know all the right stuff to do, but are we doing it? Are we living the way we know to live? Huh? It's, it's things like, it's simple. It's easy to get caught up in the form. And I'm not here today to blast you or anything else. But let me just show you how easy it is to get into a form. You cannot live just coming to church on Sunday, hearing a little bit of word and having a form and then go through the rest of the week without a relationship and encounter and experience of the word of prayer and experience in the presence of God. You'll never make it. You will never make it. You can't, you can't go into this world and, and, and listen to music. Now, you know, all music isn't bad, but, but I, just, I just choose to listen to things that lift up my soul and my spirit. But I do want to say to you this. You, can, you can, can't listen to music that talks about adultery, fornication, drinking, and all of this kind of darkness... And, and, and not expect that darkness to get on the inside of you. That stuff's going to get a hold of your heart. It's going to get a hold of your mind. And it's going to begin to work on the inside of you. And, and before long, you're going to begin to think about, well, what would it be like to be with somebody else? Everybody's doing it. What would it be like to get drunk? Huh? And that stuff, you cannot allow that to come into you all of your day and then expect that stuff not to affect who you are. It is not going to work that way, my brothers and sisters. Amen? Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are of honest, whatsoever things are of good report, what has virtue, has good report. He said, think on these things. Right? And so we have to be careful in this world to not allow that, that, that stuff to get inside of us. Because it's not what is, it, it, is, uh, it is on the outside, it's what comes on the inside that defiles a man. And so when it gets inside of you, it begins to build something inside of you that is not what Christ wants us. And that's not how we live. You can't be fooling around in this world playing with witchcraft. Huh? Sorcery boards. $900 witch. Miss Cleo. Huh? None of that stuff has a place in the heart or the life of a believer. None of it. I want to tell you today, people, they want to get up and read their horoscope. I can tell you my future. This is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. 
One of my friends got a got a, a pastor friend of mine. He said he said he caught they now this is a while back, but they called him and said, "Congratulations, you got a free psychic reading." And he he let him go on for a little bit, and he said, "Well, you ain't a real psychic." And they said, "Yeah." I said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, I know you're not a real psychic." They said, "How do you know?" I said, "Because if you were a real psychic, you wouldn't you would know I don't want none of your junk." Amen. You see, we've got to live for the goodness of God. And how many know the life of Christ, living the Christian life, isn't boring? It isn't dull? It isn't, it isn't hard? Religion is boring. Religion is hard. Religion is difficult. But when you come to know God, when you come to know you're the righteousness of God, when you come to know that the peace has come to live on the inside of you and you have the joy that is in the Holy Ghost, then there is a life worth living. Glory to God. Amen. And I don't need nothing from the world to fulfill me. There's nothing in this world that can fulfill you like the presence of God. Everything in this world is a substitute to the goodness of God that wants to be revealed in your life. And so I don't need a fake nothing. Come on. I don't need a fake nothing. I don't need something to pump me up or to put me down. I don't need something to encourage me or to strengthen me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The power of God lives on the inside of me. He is my joy. He is my peace speaker. He is my way maker. He is my problem solver. Everything I have is in the peace of God. Everything I need. And so I don't have to go to the world or look into anything outside of Christ to have joy in my life. Amen. Jesus comes and, and he looks at Ananias and Sapphira here, not Jesus, but the disciples. And, and he says to Ananias, have you sold this property for so much? Yes. He could have brought half of it it was his to give he could have brought a tithe from it it was his to give but he came and gave a certain amount suggesting it was the whole so he would look good wow brother Ananias he's a super duper right He's somebody, he gave everything. Now, it's not wrong. Barnabas did the same thing, but had the right motive, had the right heart, man. So it wasn't the wrong thing to do, but Ananias lied about it. So then here comes, he dies. Whoops. Bad move, right? He dies. Now this is after grace. This is on this side of the cross. The reason why that I say that it contradicts that my theology is because we have a loving God. We have a merciful God. We have a gracious God that shows grace and mercy. Ananias dies. They take him out, bury him. Sapphira comes in and he says... 
did you do it for this much? Yes. Oh, yeah, this is what we did. Pleasant one comes in. Wanting everybody to like her. You've not lied to me. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. The same people that men that carried your, bought your husband's body out and buried him, they'll do you the same way. And thump. Where's, where's the grace? Where's mercy? Well, this is my only conclusion. I'm not telling you it is what it is. But my only conclusion is this is the first time there was a division since the upper room in the New Testament church. From upper room till now, everyone is in unity. They're in one accord. They are, their unity is so hard to get, and it's even harder to keep. Right? Amen? Unity is hard to get, and it's even harder to keep. And when God seen what was taking place here, and the spirit that had come in under a, a facade of religion... A form of godliness, but not godly. When he seen this serpent coming into the New Testament church, he said, not so quick. And he allows death to come to them instantly to preserve the unity of the church. Are you with me? So he says it would be better for these two to die than my whole body to die. This thing cannot affect and infect my New Testament church. So they die and then they carry him out. And then as we go on, it says that, that Peter said unto them, that how is it that you've agreed together and you've done all of these things? And then he says, great fear came upon them all. And then verse number 12. Can we get that back up, please? Chapter 5, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord on Solomon's porch. Hallelujah. Didn't take long for unity to get back, did it? For yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Verse 14, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord's multitudes, of both men and women. Verse 15. So that they brought the sick out into the streets. And laid them on the bed and couches. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by. Might fall upon some of them. Hallelujah. Now this is what I see here. I see that in this chapter. Not only is there a form of godliness that is trying to come in. Not only is there this. This. Uh, this appearance of, of, of kindness, appearance of prestige, appearance of righteousness, but is deceptive. But it is also, it can, the miracles cannot return into the church until this is dealt with. Amen? Do you see that? 
Whenever all of this was going on in the first part of the chapter, we see all of this deception, all of these, the, the, all of this uh, stuff going on, people trying to appear to be something that they're not, self-righteous, right? Hypocrisy is trying to get into the church. Now it's cleaned up instantly, and when it is dealt with, when it is, it, it is put to death, not only physically, literally and uh, mentally, but it is put to death spiritually. He said instantly now that the, the signs and wonders and miracles return to the church. And I just wonder today, is there any relevance to this word in us that maybe we have the form of godliness on Sunday, but what do we look like on Monday? We have the form of godliness. We have, have the look. I'm not suggesting to you that we are Ananias and Sapphira. But I'm looking, and looking in the mirror and saying, God, is there anything in me? Do I try to appear among people something that I'm not? Do I act like I, I'm more spiritual, more holy, more, more this or more that than I really am? What am I projecting that I am versus what I am? Jesus cursed the fig tree. Because it suggested that it had something it did not have. Now this is, this is the kicker. It wasn't even the time for, for fruit. But the tree suggested that it did have fruit. Because as you probably already know, fig trees is the only one that produces fruit before they produce leaves. The figs produce before the leaves produce. And so when you see a fig tree that has leaves, it says there's fruit on my limbs. Right? And so Jesus sees the fig tree afar off. He says, look at there. It has leaves on it. It ain't even time to, for, for fruit to be on these limbs. But, but it says it has fruit. And so he goes and he looks closely and finds there's no fruit even though it is not the season of bearing fruit, it suggests it has fruit. And he said, you're going to die. And the disciples marveled that it didn't take weeks or months or next year, but the next day. The leaves had withered and this tree had begun to die. Amen. What am I saying to you? I'm not saying today that we have to be people of fear. We don't have to go around with, with worried about wrath or falling dead. But I, I'm not concerned about falling dead. I'm concerned about living right. I'm concerned about that I'm carrying what I say I'm carrying. I, I have the hope of glory on the inside of me. That I, 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 what I can produce, what I project. Amen. And so, after this was dealt with, the church returned right back to what it was doing. It was healing the sick. The very sh shadow of Peter, right, was falling on them and they were being healed. Glory to God. 
they came to back to unity and miracles started flowing. I just believe that this is the New Testament church we're talking about. I believe this is what the church is supposed to look like now. So if it is not what it is supposed to be, if it's not looking like this now, then maybe we need to look at uh, 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 inside of us. Are we people of prayer? Are we people of fasting? Are we people of giving? Do we have, are we the righteousness of God? Is the light of the glory living on the inside? Are we full of joy in the Holy Ghost? Amen? It's quiet here today. Y'all all right? I know that people don't want to preach about it. We, we sung about it a while ago. Holiness has a name. It's Jesus. People don't want to talk about holiness anymore, but they want to see signs and wonders and miracles. Let me tell you that, that you living holy and righteous before God is still required of God. Still required of us by God. Amen. And it is not what has been projected in the past of, of long hair and long sleeves. Amen. Nobody going to help me today. I'm almost done. It's all right. It's not about all of that. It's about what's inside of you. It's eternal. Internal, excuse me. It's, it, it's, it's from the abundance of the heart, everything flows out. Amen? So, this New Testament church gets things straightened back out in, in chapter 5. And now I want to roll over to chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And it says in verse number 1, Now Saul was consenting to his death, talking about Stephen, right? And at that time a great persecution arose against the church, was at Jerusalem, and they were scattered out from the region of Judea and Samaria, and except the apostles. This is what I was talking about earlier. As Saul, uh, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging them off, men and women committing them to prison. wonder how many church Christians we'd have if... Just a thought. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Amen. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And an unclean spirit crying out with a loud voice came out of, of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Hallelujah. They were scattered abroad, and they didn't run out there and say, oh, what are we going to do? No, they went and preached Jesus. Amen? They went and preached Jesus, and when they went and preached Jesus, people started getting saved. When they went and preached Jesus, people started getting healed. When they preached Jesus, the paralytics got set free. 
amen, and paralysis had to come off of them. When they preached Jesus, the demonic spirits had to go. When they preached Jesus, that everything in, uh, that was out of line got in line. It began to line up. Glory to God. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced today that what's wrong with a lot of our cities is it's demon-possessed. We got demons loose in this region. We got demons loose in our nation. We got demons loose and, we, and there's nobody to take authority or dominion because we as the church are not in our rightful place. Amen. And, it, and those demonic spirits come to torment the minds of people and put them into bondage and host, hostage until they cannot have joy anymore. Till they can't be free anymore. Amen. Until there is no hope anymore. But the Bible said when they went out and they began to preach Jesus that they began to shift the city. Now I want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes and I'll be done today. But I'm telling you today that this last end day move of God is not necessarily about the building. Because he, 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 he forsake not the symbol of yourself together as a matter of some are. You need to be in the house of the Lord. I said we need to be in the house of the Lord. We ought to be in the house of God worshiping together because we get victory and we get freedom over things together we cannot get by ourselves. But I want you to understand something. The remove of God in this last day is greater than just filling the church or experiencing God on a Sunday. But God is wanting to come in the fullness of His power. He is wanting to come in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Where that when the enemy puts pressure on us there may come a time if if this world gets its way there may come a time even in America where we can't come and assemble ourselves together as we are today I don't know but what I do know is this you cannot stop Jesus you cannot stop the power of the Holy Spirit you cannot stop the working of the anointing of the Holy Ghost that will work on the inside of your life and when this church had been spread out and scattered abroad all they did is the flame began to fly. The power of God began to go into places it had never been before. Glory to God. I'm telling you today that God wants you and he wants me full of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord, the Zoe life of God living on the inside of us. Not just to come to church on Sunday morning, but to go to Walmart and say in the name of Jesus, I take authority over the this infirmity walk into your workplace and say this is your day of salvation today the Lord has come to you glory to God and the power of God that lives on the inside of us we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ but it is the power of God unto salvation and we'll go into the school and we'll go into the marketplace and we'll everywhere we go the power of God goes and we lay hands on the sick and they recover. We cast out devils in the name of Jesus. We deliver the oppressed. Amen. And we set the captive free because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And when this happened, great joy came to the city. <laughs> Amen. 
great joy came to the city. I'm a little bit tired of hearing about West Virginia on the bottom. I'm tired of hearing about West Virginia being addicted by all of these addictions and these bondages and all of this all of this mess that is going on. I'm tired of hearing about Charleston and Huntington being the most depressed, unhappy place on the planet. If there is a place that needs some joy to return, it's right here in this valley. It's right here in this region where the darkness is trying to set up its kingdom. Where the spirit of oppression and heaviness is upon our land and even getting on the people. And darkness has come. And it seems that a cloud is hanging over their hearts and hanging over their lives. Hanging over their marriages. Hanging over everything. But I'm telling you that when Jesus comes comes back. Whenever we get in a right relationship with him the joy of the Holy Ghost is going to be our strength and great joy is going to return to our land. Glory to God. I don't know if I can get anybody to believe with me or not but I'm telling you today that when joy comes, not the joy of the world but the joy of the Lord. When the joy of the Lord comes, the bondage can't keep you depressed anymore. Oppression can't stay on you. The joy comes and and victory will be in your life again. Come on somebody and give him a little bit of praise right here. We don't need another casino. We don't need another drug house. We need some Holy Ghost joy. Amen. All of that is just a oppress and bring bring satisfaction or happiness for a moment cling cling is that how it works but it doesn't bring after lasting joy there is nothing more joyous than being in the place that God created you to be amen and being who God created you to be and I can't be you and you can't be me. But all God wants me to be is me full of the Holy Ghost. And that joy becomes my strength. Amen. Where, let me ask you today. Come on, Anthony. Where, what, let me ask you today. Where are you drawing your strength from? Where are you drawing your strength from? Where are you drawing satisfaction from? Where are you drawing peace from? I submit to you if there isn't nothing, if it is anything beyond Jesus, it's a false. It, it, it will not stand. It will not be contained. But when we have the peace of God, when we have the joy of God, when we have the mind of God. Amen. Amen. Serp can go to a dollar a shop and you only have a nickel in your pocket and you'll be tickled to death. Amen. I, I'm confused and I'm sure the world's confused that we as the church look to outside sources to bring us peace, to bring us joy, to bring us contentment. Huh? 
Because none of these things, none of these things are going to satisfy. Amen. But great joy come to the city. How did that joy come? It came because a group of people got up and began to preach Jesus. Now you may not be able to preach behind this pulpit. You may not ever take the stage. But everybody ought to be able to preach their way out of trouble. There ought to be enough word on the inside of you that when the enemy comes against you, you begin to speak the word of God to that situation and bring yourself out of trouble. The Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How? Because he said, I hid your word in my heart. Amen? So today, for there to be great joy come to our city, for there to become great joy to our region, it first has to start with, search me, O God, in the house of God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Purge my heart. Cleanse me, O God. Huh? And if there's anything outside, if there's any outside influence, if there's anything that I, I'm doing, saying, acting, portraying that is not like you, it isn't for real, then God, I want you to deal with that in me today. So that whenever I go into the marketplace, the real will be revealed. Anybody ever remember, I know I'm reminiscing today, but anybody ever remember whenever you didn't have to wear a Jesus saves button for people to know you as a Christian? You didn't have to look a certain way. I know in the old church they'd preach and they'd say, people ought to know you're a Christian by the way you dress up. Well, we believe in modest appearance, right? But how many know that's not, that, that wasn't true about the clothing because when it came to Jesus, they, didn't, they had to ask who he was. He looked like the rest of them. Renee can tell you, I don't know, and I'm, I'm not braggadocious. I'm, I haven't had it happen in a while. But I don't know how many times I got on an elevator or got was somewhere. We was in a, a, a store the other day, Ashley's store. And, and I didn't have my tie on and my suit. I just in there, I don't even know what I had on. But that boy looked at me. He said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, I am. Yes, sir. That's what I do. I'm a preacher of the gospel. But I don't know how many times I've got on an elevator in a hotel and somebody look at me and say, I say, how you doing? Whatever. And they say, you're a preacher. Whenever I was in school, I didn't tell nobody I was a preacher. It wasn't because I was ashamed of it. But whenever people find out you're a preacher, they'll, they'll pull away from you. 
But I, I, I don't want to make it about me. What I want to say is this. is Can they listen to us talk? Can they watch the way we live? Can they see the actions of our heart? And say there's something different. They may not be able to put their finger on it. Because Christianity is not as prevalent in our country as it once was but 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 they ought to be able to look at us and say I, I can't figure quite out what it is but there's something different about them I notice they're not talking about the boss man I notice they're not cussing I notice they're not going to the places and doing the things that the rest of us are doing there's something different. They got a different, different attitude about them. That's what I want. That's what I want. And I want to be a carrier of his glory. I don't want to just preach about the gospel. I've, I've talked to God about this for several months. I refuse to just be a preacher of the gospel. I'm going to be a demonstrator of the gospel going to be a demonstrator of the gospel and not just in third world countries thank God for the doors that God is opening and even this week other things have opened up to us and thank God for those things that's part of what God has put in my life to do but but I'm, I'm not satisfied with just seeing miracles in South America and Africa we're going to have them right here in this house right here in this house the supernatural is going to be activated. This is the time of the miraculous. I've, I keep hearing that. This is the time of the miraculous. It isn't coming. It is now. And we've got to get in line. And when we get ourselves in alignment with the Holy Spirit, then the miracles start flowing. It isn't hard to get people saved when the house is right. Amen. I don't know. I don't know how many times, and, and it's happened here for those who've been here for a while. But pe some people say, well, you shouldn't preach on tithing. You'll run people off. But honest to God, I, I, and I can take you right here to where a man came and got saved on a Sunday morning whenever I preached on tithing. Right here. Came and gave his life to Christ while I was preaching on tithing. Why? Because God knows my heart. I'm not trying to get your money. I ain't trying to get nobody's money. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And, and tithing is a matter of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. And so when our heart is right, everything else gets right. Amen? How you doing, Anthony? Good. You ready to sing? Could be. Okay. So I've been practicing this joy thing this week. I've been laughing at my family when it ain't even been funny. <laughs> Amen. Great joy returned to the city when the church got right. I ain't telling you today we're a bunch of sinners and going to hell. I'm telling you today as I come to you, let's search our hearts. Let Holy Spirit say, search me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. 
if, if there's any attitude, if there's any mindset, if there's any thoughts that are negative or unproductive, if I'm looking to an outside source to bring me peace, joy, or satisfaction, cut it off, God, so that you can be real in me. Amen? Come on, let's stand together, please. So, Father, as we come to this conclusion of this service today, I pray that there be a liberty to be honest before you and ourselves. If we lie to ourselves, we'll lie to anybody. So I'm asking you today, God, search us. And as people say yes to you today, I pray that you turn the great searchlight of heaven upon their hearts. We know today, God, that you don't come to condemn us. You don't come to embarrass us. You come to set us free. And so I ask you today, God, as we just say yes to your will, your way, your wants, and your desires, I pray that you reveal your goodness in our hearts now. And as people respond to your yes, I pray, God, that you touch us, that the miraculous can flow into this house, and not only in this house, but into our region, and let great joy come to our city. In Jesus' name I pray. Anthony singing. The Holy Spirit's touched you today or you just want to put a yes on the altar today. I want you to come. And I want the Holy Spirit to touch us today. Just say, search me today, God. Search me.